Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. <laughs> This is a story from a few years back when I had just left university and moved home to Cardiff in Wales. I took up a job at an old pub in the town centre opposite the city castle. A bit of a tangent here, however, this will all become relevant. The pub was first opened in 1714 and the building's foundations date back to the castle's construction during the Roman times. Cardiff is an ancient settlement, and as is common with such places, has a vast network of underground tunnels and canals. I had been working at the pub for a few months at this point, and was speaking with David, one of the landlords. He and his partner, the other landlord, lived above the pub. David had told me about this old sailor that they had seen walking around upstairs. He was entirely harmless and minded his own business, and as David continued telling me the story, corroborated by his partner, I came to believe him. He then stated that he wanted to start pulling on the whole haunted thing to garner some footfall to help business along. I thought it was a good idea and suggested we could do walkthroughs of the pub after hours for paying customers. He told me this was something they'd considered and asked if I'd like to stay behind after an evening shift that week, as they had invited some paranormal investigators in to take a look around the pub, to which I agreed. On the evening of the investigators arriving, I was a little skeptical, as I am aware that some people in this line of work aren't always the most genuine, but these two women seemed very sincere and didn't charge us a penny for their time as they said they'd been wanting to get into the pub for this purpose for ages. We went about the pub, starting upstairs and working our way down. They pointed out various things that they felt were unusual until we got to the cellar. As soon as they opened the cellar doors, one of them said something that made my hairs stand on end. We shouldn't go down there. The children are scared of us. And that was that. They refused to go in. We would frequently go into the cellar, for work purposes of course. So we headed in to convince the investigators, but they refused, stating that the children weren't scared of us, but scared of them, as they were new faces. It was after this point that things started to get weird, especially for me. On Halloween, a few weeks after the investigator's visit, I headed down to the cellar to refill our ice bucket. Our ice machine was in the cellar, at the front of the pub, facing the castle, on the other side of the road. I spilled some ice onto the floor, but thought nothing of it, and went back upstairs. Cut to a few hours later, 
I went back down to get more ice, and I instantly noticed something strange. There was a small puddle on the other side of the room. I filled the ice bucket again, spilling more ice, and this time leaned down to pick it up. Once I had stood back up and looked across the room, I was greeted by a small child, no older than six or seven, staring right back at me. He was scrawny and wearing tattered rags. He had a neutral expression and stared at me for a second before running past me, playfully, out of the door and into the cellar corridor. I instantly followed him around, but he was gone. During that whole interaction, I didn't feel scared or threatened, just that it was out of the ordinary. After this interaction, the children in the cellar had decided that I was a friend. I couldn't go down there without them playing absolute havoc. They would bang on empty beer kegs and kick ice around the floor. I had to stop wearing open shirts untucked over t-shirts, because they would pull on my shirt almost as if they wanted me to play with them. I would speak with them, although they wouldn't ever speak back, and I'd always tell them good night when I left the cellar for the last time on an evening shift. If they were ever being too noisy or acting out too much, and I told them to cut it out, they would do so immediately. It became part of a completely normal workday for me to essentially be a childminder for a nursery of ghost children, who loved nothing more than playfully fucking with their favorite living human. It's kind of sweet when I put it like that, and a part of me misses the little fuckers. Naturally, after the first incident, I told David about it, and he started doing more research on the building so there would be more to use in our would-be ghost tours. What he found was quite shocking, to say the least. Opposite the men's room, which is on the same level as the cellar, is a small broom closet, which myself and my co-worker Josh had once had to clear out. The building's floor plan shows that in the center of that room is an old, bricked-over well. The second I set foot in that room, I felt the temperature plummet. Something was not okay in there. I will now tie everything together. Remember how I said that Cardiff has a large network of connecting tunnels and canals? There was a tunnel that headed straight from the ice machine room, under the road, to the left wing of the castle. David's research found that the left wing of the castle used to be a workhouse during the 1800s. For those who aren't aware, a workhouse was a despicable institution, commonplace in Wales at the time, where orphaned or homeless children would be forced into slave labor in return for poor food and a floor to sleep on. These children had no rights, no autonomy, and were routinely abused, beaten, or just murdered. The cellar of our pub was where the children in the workhouse would sleep, away from the machinery. Life was not easy for anyone in Wales during the 1800s. As the children grew, they became more of a financial burden for the owners of the workhouse, and so they would be taken into the room opposite the men's room and drowned in the well. I feel some kind of solace in the fact that I could have been some kind of friend for these kids or be a parent or teacher figure that they never had 
despite the horrific lives they must have led. A little bit about me. I'm not a paranormal or supernatural skeptic or advocate. My feelings on ghosts and spirits can be summarized as a shrug. I think it's entirely possible that they exist, as I am certain that there are a lot of phenomena that we just can't explain. But I also never went out of my way to look for paranormal activity, and I hadn't personally encountered anything that could be described as supernatural until this story. This happened in late 2011 or early 2012. I've thought about it on and off for the last decade. I was living in a very old apartment building in Pittsburgh with my friend. This building was built in the late 1800s. It was a mansion that had been since converted into nine units. It was a gorgeous old building full of character. I always joke about old buildings being haunted, but I don't really believe it. We never experienced anything notably scary or unusual while living there, but one afternoon something strange happened that I still don't have a good explanation for. The way our unit was laid out, you would walk into the front door and turn right to walk through the living room and down the hall to the bedrooms. My roommate's bedroom was the first on the left, then mine was the next on the left, and then the hallway ended in the bathroom. So if you can imagine walking all the way down the hall from the living room, you'd have to pass her room to get to mine, and this is important. I'm not typically a napper. No matter how little sleep I get the night before, I always have trouble sleeping during the day. So it was somewhat unusual when one afternoon I was overcome with the urge to take a nap. I went to my room and laid on my bed to rest. I was laying face down on my stomach with my head turned toward my wall that my door was on. But my door was not in my direct line of sight. I can't remember if I shut it or not. Now, have you ever had the experience of sensing someone in the room with you without seeing them? At some point in my nap, I wake up just a little, and I'm aware of what feels like a presence or person in the room with me. I think that maybe my roommate has come in, but no one says anything. I sense this presence or person move slowly around my bed, but I never see anyone. Moreover, I am completely unable to move or raise my head. All I can do is open my eyes and see whatever is in range. It felt like I was having an episode of sleep paralysis though I've never experienced anything like sleep paralysis before or since the occurrence. I didn't feel scared, just slightly alarmed and curious about what or who could be in my room. I don't remember what exactly happened next. I must have fallen asleep. When I wake up, I remember the strange incident, and I go into the living room to tell my roommate and ask if she came into my room while I was napping. After I tell her what happened, I ask if it was her and she says no, 
I decided to take a nap around the same time. And it's funny, but I thought I saw you walk past my room while you were lying down. We both sit in silence for a moment and try to make sense of this. My roommate went to her room to take a nap after I had already gone to mine. Were we both dreaming? What are the odds that she would dream that she saw me walk down the hall around the same time that I dreamed that someone came into my room? It was also strange that this happened during one of the only times that I took a nap in that apartment. She was taking a nap at the same time. I still don't know what happened that day. Maybe we really were both dreaming. Or maybe a ghostly inhabitant from bygone years returned to walk the halls and check on the new tenants. has taken me a long time to come to terms with what happened in my house in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I am finally ready to share. To give a little background, my family moved from Mexico to Tennessee in 1995. The family consisted of me, my mom, dad, and older brother. We moved into a very old ranch-style home in Knox County and did not realize that this home would be the site of some of the most harrowing and terrifying experiences that have ever occurred in our lives. I'm convinced that many occurrences have been suppressed in my mind, but I want to share the memories that I do remember. My hand is shaking as I type this out, as these experiences haunt me to this day and are not easy to talk about. The activity in the house first began with the usual paranormal stuff you hear about. Missing items, belongings being misplaced or moved, and strange creaks and noises around the house. Basically, nothing that can't be logically explained. It wasn't until we decided to add a room to the home, about four to five months in, that shit really started to hit the fan. I began to experience unusual things a few times a week, which escalated to happening almost every single night thereafter. While my brother slept in our room, I would experience nightly terrors in which I would see someone standing at the doorway. It would never move. The only way to describe it was a tall, shadowy figure with noticeably long, white, string-like hair. It would watch me several times a week, and I would feel so terrified that all I would be able to do is cover my head with my blanket and pray it would go away. I told my parents what I had seen after the first night, but they merely chalked it up as me having had a nightmare, which was typical. Eventually, it got to the point where I began to sleep on my side with a blanket over my head, with a small opening for me to look through. This continued for two years until my brother got his own room. That is when things really took a turn for the worst. I remember sleeping at night and seeing the same shadowy figure standing at my doorway, feeling just as terrified as all the previous times seeing it. I did the usual, 
and covered my face with my blanket, hoping that, upon uncovering myself, it would be gone. This time was very different. Upon uncovering my face, the same figure was standing in my room, merely a few feet away from my bed. I panicked and covered my head again, wondering if I was going mad. Upon uncovering my head once again, I saw that it had vanished, and with a sigh of relief, I turned onto my back. This was not a good move. Upon turning onto my back, I saw that the figure was now floating over my bed on the ceiling. The only way I can accurately describe this humanoid-like entity is that it looked like a mix of a gray alien and a very tall crypt keeper like the one from that show. The second I saw it, I covered my face once again and was absolutely petrified with fear. I then felt the figure lay on top of me as I lay frozen on my back. I remember hearing it breathing, sounding like a quiet, almost asthmatic wheeze and how cold its breath felt. I remember the distinct earthly smell emanating from its mouth as it breathed inches away from my face, the only barrier being my blanket. It felt like hours passed as I was frozen in terror, feeling completely helpless. This occurrence was something that began to happen almost every night and only happened to me. Maybe because I was the youngest, I don't know. Throughout my time living in that house, things progressively got worse. I would be lying in my bed, reading a book with all the lights on, when I would begin to hear scratching under my bed. I would peek under and be overcome with the same paralysis I would feel at night in the feeling of the figure lying on top of me. It has even pulled me off of my bed and onto the floor in the middle of my room. It would then stare into my soul as I kept my eyes closed in sheer terror. My mom would later recount several times in which she would walk into my room and see me lying in the middle of the room on my back. She would ask me what I'm doing, to which I would essentially snap out of it and tell her I was fine, too scared to talk about what had actually happened. I remember any time I slept on my chest, I would feel a force pick me up by a couple feet by the shirt and drop me back onto my bed. This happened so often that, to this day, I am reluctant to sleep on my chest. Not because I'm afraid I'll be picked up, but because something in my subconscious mind tells me that it is not a good position to be in. My parents would tell me all the time that I just had nightmares, but they did not realize that this nightmare was something I experienced every night. Years later, I began to see an additional apparition in the home. I would see a young boy in the long stretch of narrow hallway that my bedroom was situated in. I would see him peeking at me out of different rooms while I was in the hallway, only to disappear out of sight. Whenever I had to go into the rooms to investigate, he would be gone. That would be the extent of my interaction with him, but I would see him often and only during the daytime. The apparition did not appear to be malicious, unlike the other figure that had been tormenting me at night. He gave me the impression that he was merely an observer 
which was comforting in a way. It was nice knowing that this ghost did not want to mess with me. Over a decade later, now living in Atlanta, I decided to look up the address on Google Maps to show a friend, and noticed that it was now the site of a home business. Upon seeing that, I decided that I would reach out to the owners, curious to see if they had any similar experiences. A man from the business would later reply, saying that they never had more electric issues in the home than anywhere else they've ever been, and that strange things occurred frequently. He told me that his wife and kids complained about seeing a little boy wandering around the hallway and were scared to live in the home. The man also described occasionally seeing a tall shadow when he was working in his office, which actually turned out to be my old bedroom. He told me that he always felt like he was being watched and felt generally uneasy about that room in particular. What is peculiar about this is that I had not described any of my experiences prior to him telling me his, yet our stories appeared to line up. I showed my parents the messages I had been exchanging with this business, and it was then that they finally confirmed that they too believed the house was haunted all along. They just didn't want to say anything that would scare me even more, and tried to bury it under the guise that I was merely having nightmares. My mother said that she would see the same little boy wandering around the kitchen and hallway, and she always experienced that feeling of being watched when no one was home but her. Neither of them had seen the tall figure which seemed to be focused on me. The experiences I had in that home are permanently burned into my mind, and I will never forget that tall, wire-haired figure that constantly picked me up, laid on me, and pulled me around, terrifying me to the core. I do not plan on ever returning to that home, and I pray no one who has the misfortune of living there experiences what I did on a nightly basis for six fucking years. When I was 11 years old, my aunt's house in Washington burned down. My grandma, cousins who were 13 and 16, and I lived there during the school year because our grandparents thought that it would be better for us to get our education on the reservation. Thankfully, it happened on New Year's Day, and we were home in Spokane. My aunt left with her girlfriend for the holidays, so no one was there when it happened. She left the heater on in the bathroom which caused an electrical fire, and there was nothing left. The insurance company puts us up in a hotel suite. It was very nice for the area, and we had a pretty sweet view from our balcony. The cousins and I were playing around in our half of the suite, and a fake argument ensued, so the younger of the two went to storm outside. They had forgotten about the screen door and bounced off of it, flying backwards and sending me and her sister into hysterics. Our aunt wasn't having it, so she screamed at us to shut up and go to bed. I woke up in the middle of that night, and the blinds over the slider were open, 
so I just laid there and looked out over the rooftops. I let my eyes drag over them. Then I did a double take, because I saw what I first thought was a chimney. But it turned out to be a person standing on the roof, directly across and a block away from us. They were looking right at me. I sat up in bed and thought, what the fuck, because this was a really steep roof. All I kept thinking about was that moment in the movie Signs, when he looks out and the alien is standing on the barn. I thought that I was tripping, but as I looked closer, I realized that this person was my aunt. And when she saw me see her, she started smiling this big, weird, cheesy smile that scared the absolute shit out of me. That thing was not my aunt. I ran to shut the door. I locked it and closed the blinds then cuddled up next to my cousin. I buried my face under the blankets like that would keep me safe. The next day, I kept staring at my aunt, all crazy, and she would get mad and ask why I was being so weird. But I couldn't tell anyone about it because they would think that I was batshit. I recently shared this story on Facebook and the feedback that I got from my family is slightly terrifying. I told my aunt about it, and she never had anything like that ever happen to her, but her daughter told me that my mom stayed in the bedroom that I currently live in back in the city. She said that she saw her, when she was a teenager, coming out of her bedroom behind someone and randomly followed them to the front door. Now, this might sound a little weird, but I have a huge family, and there were always a million cousins running around the house. They got to the top of the foyer, and whoever or whatever it was vanished into thin air. She was freaking out. Now my house is and has always been haunted, so this very well could have just been some normal ghost that haunts our halls. Unless my cousin forgot a reason to connect it to my story. Who knows? She also told me about experiences that two of her sons had in their old house in Olympia. The first happened to her youngest when he was a toddler. He was looking down the hall and he saw his oldest brother come out of a room, go down the hall, turn to him, and smile that creepy chilling smile at him, then go into a different room. He knew that it wasn't his brother. The second oldest told her that one night she busted into his room, came over to his bed and shook him awake telling him he needed to get up. He got up, and got dressed and left his room just to find that the whole family was asleep in their beds. He asked her the next morning, and she had no idea what he was talking about, and his stepdad said that she hadn't moved all night. I don't know what this thing is or why it has targeted two specific branches of my family tree, but all I know is it better not give my children the same terrifying feeling that it gave me when I was 11. Just typing this out and remembering that disgusting smile spread across its face is enough to make my heart pound 21 years later. To quote my other favorite podcast, Doppelganger Demon, let's not ever meet again.
This story takes place when I was about eight years old. My aunt had taken my cousin Joe and I to her friend's daughter's birthday party. It was in a quiet suburban neighborhood. To get to the house, you'd have to walk down a very long driveway. To the left was the front of the house, and to the right is a chain-link fence, lined with some very tall hedges that separated the neighboring house. These details will be important for the story later. Joe and I didn't know anyone at the party, but as kids we weren't as shy and it was easy to make new friends. The events of this night are a bit of a blur. I don't even remember any of the other kids' faces or names, but there is one girl that stood out. For the sake of simplicity, we will call her Mary. Although Joe and I played with all the other kids, we stuck by Mary the most. As the night went on, we were jumping in the inflatable bounce house, when suddenly Mary stopped and said that she really wanted to go home, but that she was scared to walk alone at night. Confused, Joe and I asked her why she couldn't just tell her parents. Mary then explained that she lived in the house next door, on the other side of the chain-link fence, and that her dad had already gone home earlier. Joe and I, wanting to be nice, offered to walk her home. As it turned out, the driveway's automatic sensor light was broken, so the path was dark and eerie. After mustering enough courage, the three of us walked back quickly down the driveway. Once we made it to the sidewalk, Mary thanked us and walked up to her front porch. We watched as she rang the doorbell, and a man, who we assume is her dad, opened the door and let her inside. Satisfied that we had finally walked our new friend home safely, Joe and I ran up the dark driveway and back to the party. However, when we re-entered the bounce house, we saw Mary. Didn't we just walk her home? How did she get back here so fast? There's no way she could have gotten here without us seeing her when, one, she's afraid of walking alone in the dark, two, we watched her go inside her house, and three, there's no way she could have climbed over the fence when there are thick hedges lining the entirety of it. We were completely stumped by the situation. When I told Mary what happened, she looked just as confused and said she never left the party. It was definitely the same girl. Thinking she was just playing a prank on us, Joe and I kept hounding her with questions, to the point where she ended up with teary eyes filled with frustration. No, she didn't have a twin or a sister, and yes, she is sure she didn't ask us to walk her home earlier. Not wanting to upset Mary any further, Joe and I backed off. Not long after, my aunt decided it was late and that we would be leaving. I'm 27 now, and maybe time would have blurred all the events of that night, enough for me to chalk this up to be some sort of weird, vivid dream that I mistook as a memory. If it weren't for the fact that my cousin also remembers what happened, to this day, we still don't have an explanation. At the time, we were more confused than scared. Although nothing malicious happened, it still makes our skin crawl whenever we retell this story.
Was it a ghost or a doppelganger? Who or what did we walk home that night if it wasn't Mary? I'm a believer of all things paranormal, with a healthy dose of skepticism, I might add. I am generally open to all ideas and possibilities, but something has recently come to my attention that I cannot explain, and I've slightly been obsessing over it ever since. Back in the winter of 2010, I was going to a house party at my friend's house with another of our friends, who I'll call Laura. Laura and I had smoked a joint before heading to our friend's house in preparation for the evening's events. In our late teens and early twenties, this house was our official party house. We spent many a night, be it summer or winter, on the patio of this house drinking, playing games, and listening to music. It was our home away from home. In fact, if you talked to anyone who hung out with us back then, and mentioned the patio, they would know exactly what you were talking about. We had countless parties at this place, and I knew it like the back of my hand. The layout of this house is forever scorched into my brain. I'll tell you this. As I stated before, I've walked through this backyard to the screen door of the patio more times than I could ever count. It was always the same. It was a screened-in patio with the screen door that led out into the backyard and to the pool. On this particular night, Something happened that had never happened before. When Laura and I walked through the gate, then into the backyard, we simultaneously reached for the screen door handle to enter the patio only to find our hands grasped nothing. To our confusion, we noticed that the handle for the door was not where we had reached, but on the opposite side. I can't begin to express the perplexity that filled me when I realized that I had reached to the wrong side of the door for the handle. This look of bewilderment on Laura's face confirmed that it wasn't just me. Had they moved the door handle? Had they purchased a new screen door? Totally puzzled, we opened the door and walked into the patio, where I saw two of our other friends sitting inside. We'll call them Ronnie and Jake. They were sitting at one of the patio tables. The way that the table was set up had Ronnie facing the patio door while Jake's back was to us. We walked inside and I directed my attention to Ronnie since this was his parents' house. I asked, why did y'all move the patio door handle? He glanced up from the game of chess and looked me dead in the eye. He looked as confused as I felt. All he said was, how stoned are you? I felt my face turn bright red. The embarrassment was palpable, in part because I had a massive crush on Jake and I felt like a total idiot for even asking that question in the first place. Of course, they didn't change the screen door. That thing was older than me. To avoid further embarrassment, I turned on my heels and Laura and I headed in to find our friend. Now, that experience alone was enough to note as odd but I chalked it up to us being high and filed it away and eventually forgot about it. Now a week ago, I was hanging out with another friend. I'll call her Mary. 
Mary was also a frequenter of the party patio back in the day. We were discussing past parties and fond memories when she began telling me a story. It was a story that took place in 2007. She proceeded to tell me about a time when she was going to hang out on the patio. She described how she walked through the gate to the backyard, as we did, to get to the patio. But she then reached for the patio door and tried to open it, and she realized that she reached for the opposite side for the handle. She went on to say how totally confused that she was, and she finally walked into the patio and saw Ronnie and Jake. They were sitting at the patio table, exactly the way they had been sitting when Laura and I walked into that patio three years later. I listened intently in utter shock as she describes how red she felt her face get, and she made a beeline into the house to avoid further embarrassment. After she was done telling me her story, I asked her, Are you fucking with me right now? I then proceeded to tell her my story that I just told you. You see, at the time both of these events took place, Mary and I weren't on speaking terms, so we never told each other our experiences. Over the years, Jake and I had begun dating and eventually married. Now, after hanging out with Mary, I went home and I told Jake about it. He thought it was weird and kind of laughed it off. So did I. But if I'm honest, it's really been messing with me. How could two people, three if you count Laura, make the same mistake in two different periods of time at the same place with that same patio door? It just doesn't make any sense to me. After absorbing all of this information, I started reading up on things like alternate realities and the Mandela effect. Is that what happened? Was this some kind of alternate reality? I guess we'll never know what happened those two nights at that patio door. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Odd Trails. This week you have heard The Old Pub by Arwell Sleep Paralysis or A Spirit by Gloria S My Haunted House by Diego Doppelganger Demon by Espero Rocks Your Socks We Walked a Ghost Home by Katsu And finally The Patio Door Paradox by Cat. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. Odd Trails is not associated with any message boards online. If you have any stories you'd like heard on the show, submit them to stories at oddtrails.com. You can also find us on Instagram at oddtrailspodcast. I've been having some wild dreams lately. I think it's just from going through all of these story submissions. It's just got my brain all goofy. I've also been taking a lot of melatonin and drinking... Uh, Blue Lotus tea. Oh, I've heard about that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to help you with lucid dreaming, getting mm-hmm. more vivid dreams. But the most recent one, I was in the kitchen, and it was really familiar. It felt like an old house or an old apartment I used to live in. And it was actually a lucid dream. If you don't know what a lucid dream is, it's when you wake up in a dream. Or rather, you know that you're in a dream, and you realize it, and you're able to do anything you want in that dream. 
Yeah, uh, in a conscious state within the dream itself. Exactly. Yeah, you become being, conscious. Yeah, hyper aware. Like, well, I'm in a dream right now. What is going on right now? It's, it's insane. It is. It's, it's the coolest thing ever. It really is. Yeah, and I can give you some tips. Uh, we can talk about that in an episode if we want. I, I know we have some lucid dream stories. We've just been kind of staying clear of dream stories just because they're so common and uh it's, it's a not little too abstract yeah it's a little say. abstract but yeah. maybe we'll do another podcast in the future about that kind of thing i think we will intent we're both extremely uh, fascinated with dreams but uh yeah so i ha- actually had a lucid dream i was in that kitchen and i realized i was dreaming and there's this method you can do to stay grounded because a lot of times when you have a lucid dream and you realize you're dreaming you wake up immediately because you get so excited my trick is to spin around real quick and I read about this in a book and it worked. I spun around and I was like, okay, I'm fine. I'm not going to wake up. I'm in this dream. I look over and there's a living room. And in that living room, there's a hooded figure staring out the window. So I make my way kind of floated. <laughs> yeah, I like floated over there uh, rather than walking. And I look in the face of this, this hooded figure that's looking out the window. And I got a presence. I felt the presence of my mom. I thought that it was my mom. But when I looked in the face, they had a white plague mask on. I don't know if you're wow, familiar yeah. with what the plague mask mm-hmm. looks like. For yeah. If you're not sure, go ahead and Google. It's pretty creepy. Uh, but they had like a white plague mask on, and I got really scared, and I woke myself up. And the, it's easy to wake yourself up. You just go, wake up, and you'll wake up. Uh, but yeah, they've been just been get, getting so vivid, and I've been having so many lucid dreams lately. How about yourself? Um, not so much lucid lately. I have had several several lucid dreams and uh-huh. yeah they are they're they're incredible um for me they don't really last too long unfortunately same it's but when they do last it's it's amazing i think the longest one at least in dream time was probably like a good like five or ten minutes um i was just back in our hometown um i think i was like roaming around a uh, a very small mountain range of sorts and uh That's interesting. yeah just underneath the stars and uh, wow. I, was, I remember thinking, I'm not supposed to be up here. It's like it's all on private property, right? And uh, thinking, okay, there's only one reason I should be up here, and that's because I'm dreaming or I'm in like <laughs> I'm in a bad situation here. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then uh, I just kind of came to the conclusion that I was dreaming. And then at that point, that's when like the entire sky just it was like being inside of like an LED light bulb. Okay, so I have to stop you there because my first vivid long lucid dream was almost identical really yeah Yeah. i was in this mountain range like this rocky mountain range area Mm -hmm. and i was just kind of floating around and and i realized i was in a dream so i started flying i was flying above this whole mountain range area and then i remembered that i had read about meditating within a dream Mm -hmm. yeah that it's supposed to be like this crazy psychedelic experience so i found this rock and i sat down on it and I started to meditate, and it was wild. Like, immediately I felt like I was on some DMT trip. And I opened my eyes, and I looked up, and I saw all these LED lights. Wow, yeah. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. looking up at the sky, and it was like the stars were like these LED lights. That's how it felt for me, yeah. But then I started hearing this cool synthesizer music. Kind of like a, like, like a reading rainbow song, like the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do thing. Or the introduction to Zelda 2 on NES. Exactly. Hey. Hey. That's pretty good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Uh, if you guys, you know what? Let's let's do it. Let's do like a, a dream episode sometime. Yeah. If you have some crazy dreams, uh, even lucid dreams, night terrors, uh, sleep paralysis, anything related yeah. to sleeping and dreams, 
send it into stories at oddtrails.com. I'd love to do a, a dream episode. Yeah, me too. Kind of a test run for the new What's to come. dream podcast. We're going to, uh, we should, actually, it's probably a good idea. We announce it now. That way, like a year later, yeah, it can I come out because we plan to a year. Absolutely. From We've been planning this podcast or at least talking about it for a while. At least a year. And like Odd Trails, we planned it a year ahead of time and it got delayed an entire year. So we might as well announce it now. Was it Dream Basement? Yeah. Yeah. So we have a, a new podcast coming out called Dream Basement. Yeah. And it's pretty much just going to be all about dreams. We're going to have many guests. Mm-hmm. Lots of cool stuff to talk about. A lot of you seem to like these outro discussions that we have. So we decided to basically extend that into something else. So maybe some Patreon things as well with Odd Trails. Yeah. Maybe people Dream have, Basement. There's a lot yeah, going to happen. People have been asking about Patreon because they want to, they already, they really want to support the show and keep it going. And any help is uh, good help. I, we're spending money on all the gear and flying you out here. I literally have to fly him out here to record. Uh, he does not live in the same state. So, yeah, I, I think that a Patreon will help us a lot and give us the opportunity to sort of experiment and try out this new podcast, uh, Dream Basement. I think you guys will like it. Uh, but I figured, yeah, you're right. We should announce it now because it'll probably happen in a year. <laughs> when we want it to actually release. So, yeah, don't yeah. get too excited. Yeah. We told ourselves a year. We're still going to... Uh, put all of our effort and time into odd trails for now and yeah. andrew obviously still has let's not meet yep check it out <laughs> let's not meet uh thanks everyone for listening uh hope you enjoyed the show we'll see you all next week for a brand new episode of odd trails looking forward to it stay safe peace Disturb you, darling.